This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Greetings, I am Barry. If you're searching for answers, spiritual help, clairvoyant readings, healings, crystals, books, incense or jewellery, you need to go to Infinity, Hamilton Spiritual Centre, in the new premises at 550 Anglesey Street, or you can phone us on 838 1838. This is your link between this life and the next. Become the change the world needs today. Greetings, I am Barry. This is the voice within for another week. Now we'll start off again this week with um, another one of our ladies from Infinity. Okay, so today we're talking to Carolyn Fox in our series of Who Works at Infinity. Hi <laughs> Carolyn, how are you? Hi Barry, I'm good thanks. How about you? Well, yeah, yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> um, now tell us, how, how do you, I mean, what do you do first? Tell us what you do. Um, I do mediumship work, so I talk to past loved ones um i do intuitive card reading where i use the cards to guide my um mediumship and i also do intuitive healing with people so just following the energy and seeing what needs to be worked on all oh, right and you're at infinity some days a week you know yeah, two or three days a week tuesdays and wednesdays yeah fair yep. enough. so did it? When did it all start for you? Was it, you know, an early age, or how did it happen? Um, my mum's a medium, so oh, okay. I grew up with it. Yeah, so she's always been around me. All oh, right. Yeah. So, but I mean, were you? Did you get, you know, information when you were very young, or? Uh, I kind of didn't listen. I was mm-hmm. tried to ignore it a bit when I was younger. Um, and really just started to accept it about three years ago that, yes, I can do this, so <laughs> let's start working with it. All <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people I talk to, it starts very young, and it's the same sort of story, you know, we keep getting where you either ignore it or don't believe it yeah. or too scared to do it. That was more me, too scared to, yeah, because um, yeah. you're always told this stuff's scary, but it's really not, and since I started to work with it I'm feeling much better within myself and yeah it's good yeah yeah so um all the years I've been interviewing people you know it's a very common story um a lot of it is the confidence as well you know yeah to to do it yeah um so what prompted you to you know like three years ago to to bring it on I know I was just driving past the shop and I just felt like I needed to walk in and that's when I met all the wonderful team here and and they're like come join the group we're starting and yeah and just from there I noticed when I was doing the energy healing I was getting messages as well and and um the lady who was running the course she she knew what was happening and just waited for me to click and it was great uh-huh. once it all fell into place I was like yay yeah this is <laughs> this is great yeah. and I love being able to help people like this it's yeah, um, right. It's very special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite common. You know, there's a lot of people come in and they say, I don't know why I've come in here. 
<laughs> I sort of drawn as they drive past yeah. through, through what's going on. Yeah. yeah, no, it's great. Such a good team in here. So, yeah, everyone supports each other and helps each other and um, shares gifts with each other and teaches you how to to tap into different parts. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, obviously everybody bounces off one another, right? Eh? Yeah. You know, they, people give headings or readings to one another and yeah. do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. No, it's good. It's very supportive, which is nice. Oh, cool. And then, um, then once a month we have Spirit Fest, where we have like heaps of people here. Right? Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> full on, full on Saturday. So much fun day, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get to see each other, and, yeah, and work with each other again. It's nice to have the full team in place, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, is there any sort of? Um, interesting you know things that you've come across or stories or people you've helped or oh, I just love helping those who've, who lose people suddenly and just need that reconnection time to just to get some answers and understand them just that yeah I think it's just sitting with them and being near them mm. and um, yeah just helping guide them through a difficult time is really quite rewarding and yeah, I just, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, well, it's the helping people again, eh? Yeah, you it know, is, Those yeah. who are in, in distress or, or yeah. the searchers, you know, the people coming looking for information or... Definitely, yeah. Their path where they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. And helping in the shops fun too, helping people pick their crystals and, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. and other bits that they need to to help them on their journey. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you hear some <laughs> you hear some sort of strange stories, eh, in the shop. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing's weird in here. No, that's what we always say. People go, I've got a weird question and I always say there's no such thing as a weird question here. So no, no, yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's good. No. But yeah, I'm just trying to think of any specific people that um yeah, just everyone's story is so different and everyone's looking for different things but for me it's mainly being able to help people heal healing so much so important oh. um i always think that to have a good healing before you have a reading is important too so you can absorb the information you get from a reading a little bit better because your body's in better alignment for it mm. yeah yeah especially those people who had a sudden loss you yeah know, yeah if someone's passed away quickly or an accident or something you know yeah definitely yeah, yeah. all right thanks carolyn um lots of traumatic stories you've, you've come across in your, your yeah. time here yeah, yeah. Those, so, are the, those are the special ones that you remember yeah uh, yeah fair all right so you're here at infinity spiritual center on tuesdays, tuesdays and wednesdays, tuesdays and wednesdays yeah and spirit fest with, oh yeah catch up with carolyn and um learn all about what's going on in life thanks carolyn awesome thanks barry yep will do okay thanks bye bye
one of my favourite tracks there from Jeffrey Clarkson. The, the, this, this called the song from Botanica. So we'll catch up with our friend Patricia Cota Robles, and this is all about an expansion of love from the divine feminine. Precious Heart, thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. On Sunday, May 23rd, 2021, as billions of people around the world celebrate Pentecost, our Mother God, the Holy Spirit, will use her holy breath to bless humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth with the sacred baptism by sacred fire. Pentecost represents the event involving the Twelve Disciples, which took place in the state of consciousness that was called the Upper Room, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. During that event, the disciples each received a baptism by sacred fire through the breath of the Holy Spirit. That gift from on high was the divine intervention that elevated the disciples into an awakened state of Christ consciousness. In an attempt to depict the shift of consciousness, during the Renaissance, the artists painted the disciples after their baptism by sacred fire with a flame coming out of their crown chakra. This Pentecost, through the cup of humanity's collective consciousness, a holy grail will be formed that will cradle Mother Earth and all her life. On that sacred and holy day, the Holy Spirit will bless every particle and wave of life on Earth with the most intensified frequencies of our Mother God's comprehensive divine love that humanity can safely assimilate. This will be accomplished through a baptism by sacred fire that will be ushered into the physical plane of earth on celestial tones that have been nurturing and healing humanity and the earth for the past decade. This gift of music from the spheres of light is known as musical rapture. On Pentecost, May 23rd, 2021, the celestial tones of musical rapture, which have been building in frequency and momentum for the past decade, will greatly assist humanity and all life on earth to assimilate the sacred fire baptism we will receive on the breath of our Mother God, the Holy Spirit. If you do not already have this music, it can be downloaded from our website, free of charge. For those of you who may not know the background of how this gift of music came about, I will share that with you today so that you will appreciate the miracle of this gift from the heavenly realms 
within the deepest recesses of your heart. On December 21, 2010, we experienced the solstice and a very powerful full moon lunar eclipse. Astrologers said the synchronicity of the December solstice and a lunar eclipse occurring at the same time had only happened one other time in the past 2,000 years. In 2010, the lunar eclipse took place within two degrees of the galactic center, which opened a mighty portal of light from the core of creation into the center of the earth. Once the portal was opened, the light of God built in momentum until the solar eclipse, which took place on January 4, 2011. During that monumental influx of light, lightworkers around the world joined hearts with the company of heaven and created a new planetary cause of divine love. We were told by the company of heaven that was an essential step in preparing for the birth of the new earth, which was destined to occur December 21st and 22nd in 2012. On December 29th, 2010, in the midst of that incredibly powerful influx of light, my precious son Zhao left the physical plane of Earth due to unexpected complications from a deadly strain of pneumonia. Zhao was 42 years old. Immediately after his transition, Zhao shared with his father and me that his time on Earth was complete. He said that he was able to move directly into the light and that he was working with Archangel Michael and the legions of healing. He said that he would soon be able to assist humanity in ways that would enhance our service to the light, ways that he could not accomplish from the physical plane. Zhao soon began communicating with a wonderful French musician named Frederick Delarue. Zhao asked Frederick, who is a channel for the angelic music of the spheres, if he would accept the responsibility of receiving a musical transmission from Zhao that would be a healing gift for humanity. Frederick agreed to Zhao's request without knowing any of the specifics about the music. During the month of May, in 2011, Mother Mary reminded us that several decades ago she had told us that prior to humanity's embodiment in this lifetime, she had made a covenant with the I Am Presence of every man, woman, and child on earth. At that time she revealed that in the not-too-distant future, when humanity was open and receptive to the influx of divine love from our Mother God, the Holy Spirit. She would draw us into her temple of the Immaculate Heart and assist our I Am Presence to expand the threefold flame in our heart. 
she said that this would greatly enhance humanity's ability to receive and assimilate the frequencies of divine love from our Mother God and the fifth-dimensional realms of God's infinite perfection. In May of 2011, Mother Mary said that now that awakening humanity had successfully co-created a new planetary cause of divine love, the time for her to fulfill her covenant with humanity had arrived. That month, she drew each one of us into her temple of the Immaculate Heart, and in collaboration with our I Am Presence, expanded our threefold flame, the maximum that cosmic law will allow. On June 12, 2011, which was Pentecost, Zhao told Frederick from the heavenly realms that today is the day. When the time was right, our Mother God, the Holy Spirit, embraced Frederick and Zhao in her luminous presence as Zhao played musical rapture through Frederick's magical hands. Zhao said this music is encoded with multidimensional frequencies of healing that humanity had not been able to previously reach. Musical rapture is a gift of healing from the heavenly realms. The following is a quote that Zhao requested be included with the music. Quote, the frequency of this celestial music communicates with the divine intelligence of the body at a cellular level, raising the consciousness of each cell. As the music soothes and comforts the cells, the body's natural ability to heal itself is enhanced. This sacred music is compatible and works in harmony with every healing modality or medical treatment a person may choose to experience. The music resonates with an additional blessing for everyone who is dealing with any form of cancer. This music is a gift from on high, and it is never to be bought or sold. Please share this information with everyone you feel would benefit from this celestial music. End quote by Zhao Kotorobles. If you do not have this music, it is available as a free download on our website, eraofpeace.org. Dear one, stay focused on the divine love flowing through your heart flame this week. I wish you a glorious Pentecost. God bless you, and I look forward to being with you next week. So here's a little excerpt from Musical Rapture. I downloaded it way back in the, in the time, but it's two hours long, so uh, you're not getting all of it.
there you go just a little sample of um, musical rapture what a fascinating story eh? she um, she talked about it when she was when I called up her when she was here in New Zealand last time here's another track now from this the latest one arrived yesterday assimilating the new fifth dimensional crystalline light from the 555 Stargate hi precious heart thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog we have just completed an epic month of transformational shifts involving the energy, vibration, and consciousness of humanity, the elemental kingdom, and Mother Earth. According to the Company of Heaven, the progress we collectively experienced in our ascension process during the month of May in 2021 benefited all life on this planet in ways that exceeded even the expectations of heaven. The beings of light have incredible faith in our ability to God victoriously accomplish the critical facet of the divine plan for Mother Earth that we are all co-creating. So to say that we succeeded beyond their expectations is quite a statement. Now we are being called to be the hands of God in the physical plane for the next facet of the divine plan. 2021 is numerically a five year. Two plus zero plus two plus one equals five. The last time we experienced a five year was 2012. That was the year that we birthed the new earth in the realms of cause as we passed through the shift of the ages during the solstice on December 21st and 22nd. Since that time, Mother Earth and all her life have gone through myriad shifts of vibration at an atomic cellular level. These shifts have greatly accelerated the divine alchemy occurring within the earthly bodies of humanity the Elemental Kingdom, and Mother Earth. Step by step, we have been transfiguring our third-dimensional carbon-based bodies into fifth-dimensional crystalline solar light bodies. The Company of Heaven has revealed that with the completion of the activities of light that took place in May, Mother Earth and all life evolving upon her are now abiding in earthly bodies that are much more rarefied and ethereal than they were in 2012. Now, due to the incredible shifts that have taken place since the birth of the new Earth, during the month of June in 2021, we are being presented with an opportunity to safely co-create a shift within our earthly bodies and the earthly bodies of the elemental kingdom and Mother Earth that will equal the collective shifts of energy, vibration, and consciousness we have experienced since the birth of the new Earth in 2012. This is an essential part of the divine plan for 2021. The beings of light said that what this means for all of us 
is truly beyond the comprehension of our finite minds. They said the only way we will fully understand the magnitude of this opportunity is by experiencing it day by day through our heart-based inner knowing. As the company of heaven shared with us at the beginning of this year, the divine plan for 2021 involves awakening humanity, co-creating in unison with our Father, Mother, God, and the company of heaven, an unprecedented quantum field of comprehensive divine love that will result in an evolutionary shift of consciousness that will permanently sustain the presence of unity consciousness for humanity and all life evolving on Mother Earth. This facet of the divine plan will be co-created through the collective efforts of awakening humanity, no matter where we abide on the face of the Earth. The vehicle that will be used to orchestrate this global event is the 35th Annual World Congress on Illumination, which will be a free, live, virtual event held August 14th through the 19th, 2021. The clarion call is reverberating through the ethers, and people everywhere are responding to this opportunity to be the hands of God on behalf of all life evolving on this precious planet. To participate, please go to our website, eraofpeace.org, and register for this global event. Your time is at hand, and your light is needed now. In the meantime, we have some vitally important light work to do. According to the Company of Heaven, in order for humanity to withstand the frequency of light that will be necessary to accomplish this divine plan for 2021, our I Am Presence needs to recalibrate our nervous system and our cellular structures within our earthly bodies to withstand higher frequencies of fifth-dimensional crystalline solar light than we have ever experienced. The activities of light we will be guided through in our weekly vlogs during the month of June are designed by the Company of Heaven to assist with this necessary recalibration. Together, we have the ability to serve as surrogates on behalf of the masses of humanity, the Elemental Kingdom, and Mother Earth, so that not only we, but every part of life on Earth will be ready for the shift in August. At this time, we are being held in the full embrace of a very powerful eclipse series that began on May 26th with a total full moon lunar eclipse and will culminate on June 10th 
with a new moon annular solar eclipse. On May 5th, 2021, which was the fifth day of the fifth month of a five year, in other words, a five, five, five day, the beings of light revealed that numerical frequency was forming a gateway that created the space for a new stargate into fifth dimensional frequencies of crystalline solar light to be opened for the very first time. The fifth dimensional frequencies of light that now blaze bless the earth through this stargate are moving Mother Earth and all life upon her forward in the light in new ways. We were told that this divine intervention was allowed by cosmic law because of the overwhelming light and progress that has been made during the influxes of light awakening humanity has co-created with the company of heaven since the March equinox on March 21st. The influx of divine light that now blesses the earth through this new stargate has moved humanity into a new spectrum of possibilities. The beings of light said it has paved the way for powerful interdimensional changes that are moving us closer to the evolutionary shift into unity consciousness that awakening humanity is being called to co-create with the company of heaven this year. As we begin this critical month involving Earth's ascension process, the company of heaven is asking us to join together to help them to project more of the new fifth dimensional crystalline solar light through the 555 Stargate. We are able to accomplish this request through our newly elevated holy breath and the higher frequencies of prana and life force that we are now able to receive. If you have the heart call to participate in this activity of light, please join with me and lightworkers around the world as we breathe our rhythmic holy breath. And we begin. I will describe how the rhythmic holy breath is done. Then we will do it together three times as directed by the company of heaven. The rhythmic holy breath is very simple. It consists of four parts. The in-breath, then we hold the breath in, then we exhale, and then we hold the breath out. With each of the steps, we affirm the following statements within the silence of our heart. We begin by exhaling. Now breathe in, and as you do, affirm within your heart, I am in-breathing new light through the 555 five, five Stargate. 
Now hold the breath in, and as you do, affirm within your heart, I am assimilating new light through the 555 Stargate. Now exhale, and as you do, affirm within your heart, I am expanding new light through the 555 Stargate. Now hold the breath out, and as you do, affirm within your heart, I am projecting new light through the 555 Stargate. This rhythmic holy breath is repeated three times. I will now guide you through this breath three times. We begin with the following invocation. I am my I am presence and I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. As one voice, one breath, one heartbeat, and one energy vibration and consciousness of pure divine love, I consciously breathe new frequencies of God's fifth dimensional crystalline solar light through the 555 Stargate. Now exhale and follow me through this rhythmic holy breath three times. Inhale, I am inbreathing new light through the 555 Stargate. Hold, I am assimilating new light through the 555 Stargate. Exhale, I am expanding new light through the 555 Stargate. Hold, I am projecting new light through the 555 Stargate. I am inbreathing new light through the 555 Stargate. I am assimilating new light through the 555 Stargate. I am expanding new light through the 555 Stargate. I am projecting new light through the 555 Stargate. I am inbreathing new light through the 555 Stargate. I am assimilating new light through the 555 Stargate. I am expanding new light through the 555 Stargate. I am projecting new light through the 555 Stargate. And so it is, beloved I am, beloved I am, beloved I am that I am. Precious heart, be gentle with yourself and allow your I am presence to assimilate the full magnitude of the brand new fifth dimensional crystalline solar light into your earthly bodies at an atomic and subatomic level. This will occur with every holy breath you take. Please repeat the rhythmic holy breath as often as you are inspired to do so. God bless you.
I look forward to being with you next week.
That's Lorena McKennett and Mystic Stream, that one. Now for something completely different. <laughs> Monty Python. Um, this is a, this is a, a guy who travelled in time, supposedly, into the future. It's a very interesting sort of um, little clip. Ed Cameron's now Al Belix journey through time started when he jumped off the USS Eldridge in 1943 during the Philadelphia Experiment. Both he and his brother Duncan Cameron landed in the year 2137 and remember waking up in a hospital bed. During that stay, Ed alone traveled to the year 2749 and spent two years there. In this program, Al recounts his memories of that trip. Al, can you describe what the civilization was like in the year 2749? What I saw of this civilization was a highly advanced civilization and technologically 
We had floating cities, we had ground-based cities. The floating ones are anti-gravity type flotation. 2,100, 2,200 stories, like the cities are two and a half miles high. And in retrospect, I have looked at that and says, now how the blazes with any materials that we know in the 20th century, how could they build anything that would sustain that kind of weight from the stories above it? And of course, it was explained to me at that time in the 28th century that it was very easy to explain because they had conquered at full control over anti-gravity and multiple systems of anti-gravity in which they built platforms of every 300 floors approximately. And uh, they would relieve the strain of the pressure from above with an anti-gravity reverse system so that the pressure from above disappeared. So that each section only had to support its own weight and they kept adding sections as they built this city up to 2,100, 2,200 stories. And in addition, if they wanted the city to be a floating city, it was a floating city. And they would move it around from one part of the earth if they got tired of it to another part of the earth. They were interested in that. And I told them about the system of governing, if you will, which was a totally synthetic uh, system, actually, in synthetic intelligence computers. They were moderately interested in that. I said they had one in each city. Uh, whether the city was fixed, which there were fixed cities, doing manufacturing and so forth, or it was a floating city. Why they had floating cities moving around, I don't know, but that was a civilization as it was then, or is to be, if you will. And I started to ask questions. I had friends there, and I stayed long enough to learn all about the functions of the city and the fact that this... Synthetic intelligence was a highly radioactive crystalline form structure, so far as I could tell, because I was called in for an interview, and to be interviewed, you had to put on a lead-lined suit with completely radiation-proof, because in the room where this computer was, where you were interviewed, which computer, if I can call it that, was a huge crystalline structure floating in the middle of the room. Yeah. Uh, no physical connections to anything we could see. And it would interview you telepathically. And I was called in for more than one interview. And I gathered the, the structure of the society at that time was purely socialism, 100% pure socialism. Everything was free. Uh, there were no banks. There was no money. You were born into the society by your parents. Your parents could be living in a common law arrangement. They could be married. Mm -hmm. You could be raised by your parents or you could be raised by the state. Well, what did the computer want to know from you? Uh, eventually wanted to know what I was doing there and what I knew about how I got there. At that point, I didn't remember anything about how I got there. It was sort of like I arrived and became part of this city, part of the society, like I had been born in it, but which was not the case. There was some false memories involved and a huge block as to where I had been, how I got there, what was I doing there. I sort of absorbed the place and became part of me, and I became part of it, so to speak. And uh, <clears throat> one tour guide I became very friendly with, as I found out much later. Isn't that what we you were? were? You were a tour guide, weren't you? I became a tour guide of sorts because I adopted this profession. Everybody was expected to get an education, a minimal education, and then, of course, contribute something to society, do something useful. Mm -hmm. But this manufacturing, being a tour guide... Uh, a scientist, an engineer, whatever, manufacturing. What did you give tours of? 
the city, basically. To because tourists, those people or? came to these cities from elsewhere on the planet. Mm -hmm. And uh, they would like to see all of the workings, particularly the floating cities. Where did they go? What did they do? And the, the cities based on the ground had these transportation tubes they called accelerons. It was sort of like a moving sidewalk. You had one type, which was a moving sidewalk. You jump on a thing and move through the city. You can jump off where you wanted. The other was a tube-type apparatus where you jump in a thing and it would propel you, similar to the Montauk operation, but it was a localized, much slower thing mm -hmm. in which you were propelled through the tube to a sort of like a continuous belt. You'd get on it and you get off where you wanted to get off mm -hmm. at some other part of the city. The kids used to love this thing. It was, it was entertainment for them. And uh, I became part of a guide for that. We took people from outside that didn't see these things very often or from another part of the world. And we show them around, show them this particular operation, the city, and what was in that city. So that was what the tour guides were for. They literally showed outsiders what was going on in their particular city. Obviously, not all the cities were the same. But it was interesting that there was no external structure of government other than the local government of each city. It was a city-state, if you will. I.e., each city was a rule and a law unto itself, though they all followed a common format in terms of the fact that each city was ruled by the synthetic intelligence. And as I found out, each synthetic intelligence unit was connected to the rest. So there was a worldwide network, a worldwide web, if you will. Hmm. Well, I asked a lot of questions. Well, what about war? What's that? Unknown. Well, the <coughs> unit which I talked with, the particular intelligence system. We had a nickname for them. We called it the Lama, much like the Lama in a monastery. The Dalai Lama. Yes, much mm -hmm. like the Dalai Lama, if you will. I asked them, well, wasn't the war in the past? They said, oh, yes, we had wars in the past. I said, that's long gone. I said, are there any armies, standing armies, or military operations, military organizations? None. No, no soldiers? No. No military? No. No navy? No. No air force? No. Uh, no satellite system? You wouldn't answer that one. Uh, well, do you have means in case of something like an invasion from outside? Suppose somebody from outside wanted to come in and take over the planet. Do you have means of defending yourself? He said, yes, we do. I said, what are they? He said, you do not have the need to know. But he says, we have means to defend the cities. Apparently they had, shall we say, built-in armaments perhaps high-powered laser systems, perhaps more advanced systems. I don't know. I never found out. But they had the means to defend each individual city as such. And apparently it was never needed. What were the cities like? I mean, were they colorful? Were they large? Uh, were they comfortable? Some were large. Some were smaller. Uh, they were definitely very comfortable. The apartments one we were assigned to or lived in were very comfortable. They had all the modern conveniences that we know today, plus some. Uh, food what, was what would be different? What would be different as a convenience that say we don't have right now? Well, yeah, that uh, says I have to go back a bit to rem remember <laughs> that. Going back to the future, if you will. I hear you. They had synthetic food units. I remember in the apartments, you could have fresh produce brought in, or you could synthesize. Either way, you preferred. They did have restaurants, and there were, of course, stores to go shopping in. You could buy stuff if you wanted to buy, of course, as a misnomer. They did set up a limitation. In other words, if everything was free, a person could go out and literally 
grab anything they wanted. There had to be a limit against this sort of thing, literally purging a store of everything they had because you wanted it. They wanted one of this, 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 and this. There had to be a limitation. There was a form of credit, which was a rather obscure type of credit system. It wouldn't be on a monetary credit basis, but depending on your position in the society, you were allowed to have a certain comfort level, if you will, certain things you were allowed to have to buy, if you wanted to call it to buy, to go choir. And in terms of entertainment, they had entertainment, they had television, if I remember correctly now, they had radio of sorts. They had theater, they had many of the things which we have today, except they've been carried a little bit further. And they did have travel. You could travel to another city. They did have rail systems that covered, at least where I was in the United States, they had rail systems allegedly all over the planet, but they were not like we have them today. The rail systems were much wider. They were at least twice the width track-wise. The cars were two, two and a half times as wide. They were longer. And they were made out to be much more like an excursion trip, if you will, like you would go on an ocean liner on an excursion or on a uh, cruise. You would take a cruise on a train, if you will. You would get on it, and you'd have bands, you would have all kinds of entertainment, this sort of thing, you'd go across the country. Did, you ever, did you ever see a map of the world of that time period? Not that I recall now. Um, so you, you did at 2137, though, oh, right? Oh, yes, in 2137 I did. I did not see a map of the world at that era of the 28th century. Uh, I'm sure they existed, but I don't recall that they were shown. In fact, I didn't see it because it was not part of society. You weren't told much about what, lived on the, what was on the outside. And there were those people, the heretics as they called them, who didn't want to be part of the society, this regimented socialism of the world. It was free to a point, but it was also regimented because you had rules and regulations. And you were told this is the limits of what you could do. If you went outside of that, there's sort of a yellow zone. You were called in. The Lama gave you a reprimand. If you went in the red zone, it was a very serious case, like you would have today if somebody committed murder. Well, they had rules involving that kind of society, rules and regulations. And if you went outside of the normal zone or the red zone, uh, you were called in for not just a reprimand. Many people disappeared when never seen again. Now, whether they were eliminated on the spot or not, I can only assume that that was probably what happened to them. And they did have automobiles, so I never went out on one, and I understand there wasn't that much car travel. For those who were on the surface cities, they had to have transportation. Did everybody look pretty much the same, physically? There were variations in the human appearance, but the human appearance had changed a great deal in the sense that it was more refined. There was less variation in appearance than there is now. There was more of a genetic mold, which had much narrower limits than you see today genetically. Uh, I don't recall at this point in the 20th century that there was more than one race. It was Caucasian. Hmm. I don't remember seeing any other races. Now, outside of the where I was, because I never took any long trips anyplace, there might well have been other races elsewhere in other parts of the planet that I never found out about, never inquired. What intrigued me was the fact that here is a synthetic intelligence computer running this whole system and actually running the planet. These things didn't build themselves. Who built them? That was where it got much more interesting because eventually I was introduced to the builders of the intelligence system, the computer systems. Who were the designers? Who were the builders?
That's when I met these, this group. They were different. They were totally human, but they were different than the ones you typically saw. They ran 6263 average, extremely intelligent, genetically, I guess, is about as perfect as you could expect anyone to get. They were the result, as they told me, of genetic engineering that had been ongoing for centuries. And it was in the 26th century. They perhaps came from a long line of computer engineers. It was in the 26th century they decided to engage in the experiment of synthetic intelligence to see if they could run the whole planet. Probably Bill Gates' great-great-great-great-grandson. Very possibly. <laughs> Maybe Bill Gates' grandchildren or great-grandchildren. <laughs> but uh, that was the way I was introduced to them, and that they were running everything behind the scenes. They kept totally out of sight. Uh, they didn't interfere with the computer operations unless something went wrong, and apparently there was one case of where the way the computers were programmed, as I understand it, they had a wide latitude of uh, operation, a wide latitude of what they could do, but there was one inbuilt function which was allegedly inviolate. They could never lie to anyone about anything. If they felt it inappropriate to give an answer on something, you just say, I can't give you an answer on that at this point, or that's not in your domain or whatever, but they wouldn't lie about it. One of them did lie, apparently, at one time, and one of them was scrapped and replaced. Yeah. There was some basic flaw in that unit that had gotten to the point where it could assume to lie. Whatever the reason was, it was destroyed. Was its name Hal? <laughs> From the famous movie? Yeah. <laughs> Not that well, I know of. Well, they say history repeats itself, you know. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. As I got to meet these people, I got to learn a lot more about prior history, prior to this point. And uh, as I said, they had undergone genetic engineering themselves from the 22nd and 23rd century. And they emerged as the, perhaps one would say, the dominant intelligent species on Earth. They had a name for themselves, which I'll give you in a minute or two. But they uh, literally, the power behind the scene running this whole thing, and they were beginning to realize something, which I've learned since perhaps because of their writings, which have come back to the century. Uh, there was a major flaw, which they realized was possible, from what they told me, but it was only beginning to show up in the 28th century. And that was the fact that if you have pure socialism, a set of guidelines which society must adhere to, and everything's free, you lose incentive to create. You lose that creative ability. And you just fall into the pattern, and the pattern remains unchanging. There are no new inputs, and eventually the whole damn thing will collapse because there's no uh, reason to go ahead and do anything new. There's no reason to create anything new, and people will get tired of the same old thing eventually. And if they see nothing changing, no future, nothing that they can help to create, then that creative impulse is gone, and eventually society collapses and dies. Well, that, that, that's very strange because, I mean, you could look to present-day Soviet Union and find the same example there. That's why communism You certainly though. can. Communism so, is socialism under another name. Yeah, so it, it's, it's odd that they wouldn't have looked back into history to learn that lesson before creating the society they created. Well, one of the things I looked at and had 
perhaps as a consideration was the fact that in the 22nd, 23rd century, world population was only around 300 million total. Mm. And uh, there was a definite decision, and of course this is in current day's data, the New World Order feels that the world, ideal world population would be around 500 million. It shouldn't be over 1 billion. Their natural resources and such cannot support it, sustain it indefinitely, which is beginning to show. But part, as part of that assumption of this century, apparently they considered the same thing, that the maximum desirable population on the planet should be around 500 million, and they're aiming everything at that 500 million population, which is where it was in the 28th century. And it was approaching that in the 25th, perhaps, from what they told me. But they wanted to try and make a system of socialism work because they didn't want to go back to all of the evils and the problems of the banking systems, particularly private banking, which have existed in the last 10 centuries, of this up to this time. And they didn't want to see that repeated with everything leading into wars and fights for the sake of profit and uh, what it did to humanity. Well, of course, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is it goaded humanity into advances. You create a problem, you find a solution. But the solution is how to beat your enemy in war or how to uh, get out into space before somebody else does or whatever it may be. Go to defend yourself against an invasion. It creates a desire, an incentive for something, something which in the long run becomes perhaps productive and uh, adds to the sum total knowledge of humanity. But they felt, for whatever their reasons and choices, that they wanted to try an ex the grand experiment with socialism controlled by a highly intelligent synthetic intelligence system rather than by humans because they realized if humans control this, mm -hmm. it gets out of hand. You get an elite group who runs the show and runs it for their own benefit and their own profit, which is exactly what's going on on the planet today. So were any of these computer programmers taking advantage of the fact that they wrote the program that controls everything? Or were as they? As far as I could tell, they did not. They were really... Because they could have then controlled the world in with a sense that power. They already, in a sense, they already did because they created the computers. And if they uh, found that a computer went out of its bounds of its own programming limits, they would pull it and re replace so, it. But they were pretty good folks then. Apparently, there were what you might call the perfect human. Yeah, that's uh, hard to say in a certain sense, but they seem to be that. They had no self desires in terms of gaining power or control. Or they were not ambitious. Control. They are not ambitious, huh. and it's a very peculiar thing because they also had separate from the main cities. They had their own culture. They had their own art. Their own. Uh, I wouldn't say religious beliefs, but their own philosophical beliefs. Mm which had gone beyond religion. Religion didn't exist, I might add, in the 28th century. It was uh, almost they, non-existent in 2137. What did they think of God, or what was their well, concept they, of God? They did think of a supreme being, <clears throat> but they thought of it in a very different sense than most religions do today. Most religions today take a very narrow view of the punishing God and the uh, rewarding God and... Uh, <clears throat> You do what he says, everything's fine. If you don't, he'll punish you. That's long gone in terms of their outlook. It's considered a supreme being that it is very difficult to get to know, that is beyond all of us in terms of awareness and understanding. But it, the God, learns through 
communicating through us and contacting us and being part of our experience, that we are part of God just as God is part of us, and it's a two-way street type thing. It's, it's a reciprocal arrangement, if you will. And that God is beyond the physical universe as we know it, but maintains contact with the physical universe through us. And that was apparently their attitude and their religion. And uh, you can find that information today in the network and the net and so forth under the name of the wingmakers, because that is what they call themselves. And according to what has turned up in current time, and I remember what they told me, they had made stashes all over the earth in about the 8th century A.D., which had been uncovered um, in the 20th century and into the 21st century. Three have been recovered so far, one in New Mexico, which was the first one. Well, <clears throat> stashes of what, though? Of their literature, of their science, of their... This is the wingmakers you're yes, talking about? This okay. is a buried underground, uh, what would you call them? Uh, time capsules, perhaps, is what would be the best thing they were, to show what their art and there was that they had, their music, uh, their technology, and whether or not there was a warning involved, that's hard to say because it fell immediately in the first site with the Chaco Canyon in New Mexico, fell immediately under the control of NSA. So these, are you saying that these engineers, these computer software engineers... They're human engineers as well, and genetic engineers initially. Okay, are, are you saying that they were actually a byproduct of the wingmakers? They were the wingmakers. They were the wingmakers, okay. And and the wingmakers then are alive and well today. They're alive 2000. and well today in the 28th century. Uh, they can apparently travel to this era, but they're not living per se in this era, mm -hmm. meaning the 20th century, 21st century. Well, certainly a fascinating story. Um, it's interesting to find out what might be, be in the future. <laughs> anyway, I thought we might just play out with the rest of, or not, not the rest of, but some of more of musical rapture for you. So if you want to go and download it, go to her website, eraofpeace.com, and um, you can get it for free. It's two hours long. Magic if you want to meditate or just chill out.
I'm Barry, been the voice within. Shalom, kakite, namaste, masalam. May I go with you. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.